Welcome back to the Exposure Ninja podcast extra. My name is Jess and I'm here today with wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen and the wonderful Abby who is going to be talking to us all about email. Abby is our head of content and email marketing at Exposure Ninja. So she has a lot of insights. So she's been on the podcast a few times before. Welcome in, Abby. Hi all, thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. We're gonna jump straight into this in terms of talking about email, starting with deliverability. Now I know it's not the most like exciting or sexy topic, but it's something that's been coming up again and again in discussions about email. And I think it's super, super important. Abby, what do you have to tell us about the issues that we're gonna be seeing, the issues that we are seeing and the issues that we're gonna be seeing even more with deliverability of emails in 2024? Yeah, absolutely, Jess. So in early 2024, Gmail and Yahoo Mail are making some big updates to how they run their inboxes, spam filters, and it's really all centered around deliverability. I think a lot of people get a lot of messages that they don't necessarily want. So Gmail is just putting more practices in place to make sure that the emails that you're receiving are the ones that you want to read and see. So yeah, that's gonna mean some big changes, particularly if you're sending sort of thousands of emails a day or even a week, it's gonna be really important to focus on that deliverability and make sure that you're doing the right things for your subscribers and not just spamming them all the time, essentially. Yeah, I think that's super, super important. Like, I think we've all been on the receiving end of some spammy, scammy emails or even just stuff that you've signed up to. Like I know, I can't remember what newsletter it was now, which is quite good because I won't accidentally name and shame, but I tried to unsubscribe from a newsletter recently and there was no unsubscribe button. And I was like, I feel like you're not allowed to do that. It's like quite a big company. You're just not allowed to do that. And I think as much as it feels counterproductive, it's really, really not. It's that same thing of like, would you rather reach like a thousand people who don't care or a hundred people who are really engaged? And you have to be careful because if your emails are just going into spam, then you're not reaching anyone. You're not reaching a thousand people and you're definitely not reaching the hundred that are going to convert. Tim, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. I, I do. I mean, I think the the Yahoo and the Gmail restrictions seem to me to be really harsh, right? So I think the rule is something like you're not allowed more than a 0.3% spam complaint rate, which is only one in 300 emails to be marking you as spam. I mean... I haven't seen that much action from the email platforms yet. We had a thing from Infusionsoft who who we um, send our emails out through who basically said, yeah, don't get any complaints, uh, but they didn't really offer sort of any solutions. But Abby, this feels like a, a big thing. There are going to be a lot of businesses that are reliant on cold email outreach who are going to have to really seriously think through their business practice as much as their email marketing strategy. Are you seeing this as like quite a profound thing or is this something that the email platforms will just sort of figure out a solution for and we can basically all just carry on as we always have done? I think the biggest thing here is that marking something as spam is a lot easier than clicking unsubscribe, especially if, and I know a lot of people do it, they sort of hide the unsubscribe at the bottom of the email in quite small letters. So the unsubscribe rate isn't going to impact you as much. So it's really important to make sure that that unsubscribe button is actually clear because people are marking you as spam because they want to unsubscribe. But like Jess said, with your example, you couldn't find that unsubscribe link there. So you marked it as spam, which is then going to impact that company in terms of their emails going forward. So I think it's just like really important to like 
constantly be checking in with your subscribers are they actually still want to be on the list because if they can't leave the list when they want to they're probably just going to mark you as spam which will then impact the whole list is it worth sort of manually well i suppose manually or automatedly stripping down your own email list or is that a bit of a risk so we actually do that quite a lot of the time on campaigns so if anyone comes to us and they've got quite a big email list we often get clients who have a subscribe option on the website but they haven't been doing anything with it they've been collecting emails for a few years and the email list like we don't know who is in there how long they've been in there they might have never received an email so we set up a sort of re-engagement sequence which is just purely for people who haven't opened or haven't clicked on an email for usually around six months we put them through that list if then they don't open any of the emails they're clearly not interested in the brand anymore so then we'll suppress those emails and that is what we do for list cleaning and then we really try to focus on getting a fully engaged email list so that everyone when we then go to send out newsletters we know that everybody on the list is actually opening emails at some point or another in the last six months yeah that's great that's that's a real effective way to kind of make sure you're sending stuff to the right people is there any kind of like technical way that you can make sure your emails are getting through or kind of prove sort of the validity of it and authenticate your emails so there's a couple of technical bits which aren't the most exciting but we've got spf records which is basically a sender frame policy which specifies which mail servers you're authorized to send emails from and it also flags any spam emails so that one you definitely have set up and then you've got dkim or dkim however you want to say it um, which is one which prevents spammers from actually spoofing your email address so having both of those in place also then authenticates to Google that you've got everything in place that you deserve to be in the inbox and you're not just one of those sort of spam emails you see where you might get one, might get one from you, Jess, which says, can we have a meeting today? And it's from, definitely not from you. It just prevents that that sort of thing from happening. Yeah, had a few, of a couple of them from from Tim occasionally, just using very un-Tim language. It's always very funny. Tim will never call us on the phone. It's always Slack, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Don't um, give the spammers the tips, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Maybe I've put us in it now. Um, so what kind of things should you be tracking in your emails to make sure they are being sent, basically, or the things that might be, might sort of bring up some warning signs, I suppose? So you want to be keeping an eye on the typical ones. So open rate, click-through rate. Keeping an eye on the unsubscribe rate, I don't think it's going to be, the unsubscribe is obviously not as detrimental as the spam rate, but you still want to keep an eye on that because if you're getting a lot of people unsubscribing all the time, then it's definitely what we would typically do in that situation is we would go and grab a really engaged list. So we'd say, right, who has opened at least one email in the last 30 days? And we'd spend a bit of time just sending out newsletters directly to that list, which then in turn improves deliverability because it means that you're signaling to Google that all of these emails are being read, are like really engaging with your audience and then slowly increase that then. So increasing it to say 90 days up to like up to around the six month mark. But yeah, focusing really on the open rate, the click through rate um, and the unsubscribe rates are really good ones. Obviously the spam rate as well, which hopefully you're not seeing a huge amount. But if that is the case, I definitely review how easy it is to unsubscribe from the emails. Does that need to be clearer? And going through that list cleaning thing as well with the re-engagement sequence. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Tim, I am curious, do you think that these changes that, um, was it Google and Microsoft? 
Yahoo, that's it. Do you think this is due to AI a little bit and it being easier than ever to send absolutely trash emails <laughs> to a bunch of people? Or do you think it's just a sign of the times? I don't know. I feel like this is sort of the direction that they've been going anyway with like the promotions tab, um, which has, I know, suppressed the visibility of a lot of, of business emails. But I don't know, part of me also thinks like Yahoo and, G and Google are spending huge amounts of money on server space for all of these Gmail accounts that are free, which are receiving millions of unsolicited emails every day. And if I was Google and I wanted to reduce my service space cost, I'd try and just suppress some of that stuff, right? <laughs> so I don't know if there's part of that in there, but this is clearly the direction that we're, we're going, right? This is, and, and you're right, AI makes it easier to send out mass personalized emails, which don't necessarily have to be personalized at all. So perhaps there is a bit of this, which is a, a sort of proactive preventative thing to stop that from really taking hold. I think it's amazing that our emails are still, you know, everybody checks their emails. You can still pretty much reach everyone through their emails. And a large part of that is because services like Google and Yahoo have been filtering more and more and more on our behalf and trying to work out what's relevant. So yeah, this to me just seems like the next logical progression in that step. Definitely, that makes a lot of sense. We've had a great comment on the podcast live stream from Atana Cloud saying that a lot of businesses don't have SPF, DKIM, and DMARC records. Um, and it apparently only takes less than an hour to implement, especially if you're using Microsoft 365. So if you're struggling with deliverability, it definitely sounds like, Abby, that this is a good first step that people can take to kind of get that sort of technical side sorted. And then they can kind of start testing in terms of creative stuff. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So the things listed there, so the SPF, the DMARC and the DKIM are all sort of absolutely essential things that to get you set up with that, to get your emails verified, to making sure you're using a verified domain as well. I've at some point, I think my email address was sold and I keep getting these sort of emails from multiple businesses and they all seem to have the same domain. So just like it just prevents things like that. It shows that this is an email from our business to somebody who we know wants to receive it. It's not spam. And it just really has all of those like background technical bits in place for you to then start working on like the content side. Yeah, fantastic. Now that we've sort of spoken about this technical thing, but I think it's one of those super important foundational things that everybody needs to know about and that isn't talked about enough. But now we can get on some more fun stuff. I would say it's fun. Anyway, in terms of actually crafting your email and the strategies that you could use, starting with having strong calls to action, which I know sounds really basic. You feel like you've heard it before. I promise we will have some new insights for you, unless you're a real marketing pro, which I expect some people watching are. And this will just be a refresher so you know you're in the right direction. Um, so Abby, what would be some kind of key things that should be included in every CTA or the types of CTAs that should or shouldn't be included in emails? So I think what's most important is that it's relevant to the email. So you don't want to send out an email. I'll use Exposure Ninja as an example, where you send out an email, you're talking about a really great blog post and you want to direct them to go and read more about it. But then at the bottom, you just put marketing review. It kind of, it's not as relevant as it could be. So really trying to focus it on the topic so that it sort of follows a natural journey of someone reading through the email. They want to know more, they want to see more. So where is, like, how are you going to direct them to that with a good CTA to tell them they can do that? Um, 
it doesn't always need to be about making a sale. So a lot of the time with emails, it's all about engagement and really, again, taking them on a journey. So, you know, it's not always just sell, sell, sell. It can just be more about like getting them on the website or getting them to view another page, which then takes them through the journey a different way once they're on the website. Um, and lastly, try to avoid using generic ones. So a lot of emails will have just like shop now, read more, click here, like try and link it into what, even if it's not a super exciting one, but it's just like read more about the blog name here or shop our latest X products here. So that it's just actually still linked into the actual content in the email and not using something generic. And I think the most important thing is only using mainly one primary CTA. So you can still have secondary ones within the email, but you really want that primary CTA to be the goal of the email, whether that's driving traffic to a blog, driving them to a lead gen page or shopping on the website. Um, you should have one primary one for that. And then perhaps like some secondary ones underneath. I know the ones we typically use is here's some other videos or other blogs that may be of interest, but the primary one is always the main video or the main blog that we're driving to from the email. I think that's such a great point that you said about it doesn't always need to be about making a sale. And this for me is something that so few email marketers get right. They're always tracking, you know, what's the click-through rate, what's the conversion rate to, to some sort of sale. And I remember in the really early days when we were setting up our first sequences for Exposure Ninja, I was playing with the idea that imagine that people were having to pay to subscribe to the emails, what would you send out? And, and you know, yes, there might be some CTAs in there sometimes, but really the goal of those emails is to kind of make people fall in love with the business and to give them, you know, it's, it's so oversaid, like you want to have value in all of your emails or whatever, but you, you really do. You actually want to give people stuff which is going to help them in some way because the relationship that you build by doing that and having that automated and having that relationship being continually built with hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people every day automatically through email is massive and it will return much higher than if everything that you send out is a promotional thing, buy this, buy this, buy this. Um, I, I think that's that's a really undercovered topic in email marketing where it is so easy to just drive people to a product page or a, you know, a commercial CTA. Yeah, I actually was signed up to an email list with a, a tool that helps with like YouTube analytics and they upload a lot of videos. They're really educational. So I was expecting the emails I would get to be really educational, like sharing tips, maybe talking a little bit about the product and nearly every single week it was only sales emails and I just unsubscribed I was like you know you're really missing an opportunity here and I think as well we were maybe already subscribed to it but just it wasn't my account specifically so I was getting these emails but it would have just been nice to have a bit more variety in there because it's a you know their whole brand is about educating people and then saying actually you can do things easier with our tool but yeah all the emails were just like We've got a sale on or why you should buy, use our tool or you know and i was just like sharp <laughs> basically i was sick of hearing from them i think as well with that one jess that if they'd actually been really educational and sort of like taking you through subtly like a step-by-step -step of all the benefits of the tool but educating you about it how to use it in the best way and like using a sort of sequence instead then if you weren't already subscribed you'd probably be much more likely to subscribe than it being sort of like forced onto you like in every single email that you're getting so yeah I think it's so important to again just take people on a journey towards conversion through the funnel rather than just you've signed up to my emails I expect you to purchase from me right now this is a thing another email list I was signed up to was for a YouTube scriptwriter, and every single one of their emails was like 
so educational. I was getting so much information for free. So when they said, actually, I'm going to be doing a script writing course, sign up to find out when it launches. I was like, absolutely. Because if I've got this much for free, I'm really excited to like learn more from you and potentially support you because I've already learned so much. So as much as it feels like you're playing the long game, I think it will pay off a lot better in the future rather than just every single time being like, buy my thing. Uh, for me, one of the, uh, I remember we did a mastermind session a few years ago about email writing. And one of the sort of mental images that we we spoke about on that was about treating your email list, not as like when you log into a MailChimp or Active campaign or whatever, you see 30,000 subscribers and you think of like broadcasting to this mass of generic email readers and you're just imagining broadcasting like you're on stage you've got a megaphone and you're shouting out to an audience whereas the best emails that i get almost feel like they've been written to an individual person and we talk about a lot a lot about like target audience and marketing to an individual but if you were sending out a one-to-one email if you were building a sequence for an individual you wouldn't just relentlessly spam them you wouldn't just batter them over the head with commercial ctas all day long you would actually write like nice things that they're actually going to enjoy reading. So I think as long as you're considering that your audience is actually individuals rather than just one group of however many thousand subscribers, you're much less likely to make these sort of inelegant faux pas, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's that's really great advice. And that brings us beautifully on to our next section, which is about content. We've kind of, I suppose we've alluded to content quite a bit when we've sort of been chatting about the type of things that get included in emails but I think there's more to content than just what you write it's also about what you send and when you send it um Abby I'd love to know your thoughts about like the actual contents of the emails and the kind of things that people should be thinking about when they're not just writing but crafting their entire email yeah so there's a couple of key point key points around content and Tim just touched on it then so the key points that always we fo- we always focus on are what will your audience be interested in reading? So what sort of topics are they actually going to want to read? How will you stand out against your competitors? So it's likely if somebody's shopping around for either products or services that they're also signed up to your competitors, they could be receiving those emails. So how do you stand out against them and be different? Um, what content is performing well on the website? So if you've got any blogs or any particular pages that perform really well in terms of visitors, then that's a really great place to start as well. Um, Who in your audience responds best to this content? So you've got your list of topics. Not every single person in your audience is going to necessarily resonate with all of those topics. So do you need to look at segmentation? Do you need to target the audience a bit better and send different topics to different people? And then I think the most important thing which we try to really focus on is that the emails that you send out need to serve your audience. So you need to be giving, like you said, Tim, you need to be giving some, them something of value and giving them a reason to actually take time out of their day to read that email and then hopefully engage with it. It's the goal of the email that serves you. So if it was sort of like, it's a shop now button, the, customer, the audience actually going on the website and purchasing, that is the part that serves you, but the content needs to provide some sort of service or value to the person reading it. Otherwise they're just gonna switch off. I think we all do it. Even though I'm head of email marketing, I still open an email and go, no, I'm not, I'm bored. I'm just going to close this. So you really need to hook people in. And with a topic that's going to be of interest to them, not too long. Um, Like you said, Jess, if it's a sort of like a service where it'd be really useful to have educational content, including things like that. 
if you're selling a product, then think outside of just promoting the products. Think about the types of content that go along well with it. Is it trend related? Is it, you know, just think about things which are more interesting than just here's a list of products we think you're going to like. Yeah, I think that's that's super, super important. And people definitely lose sight. Even businesses like big businesses, I think, can also lose sight quite frequently. Tim, do you have any thoughts on email content at all? Um, yeah, I, I really I, I would like to ask Abby about sequencing because I feel like sequencing since Abby's taken over our email marketing or since Abby's built our email marketing, I feel like she's done so much work on sequencing and you know the order of emails and the journey that you want to move people along. So Abby, I'd, I'd love to hear on hear about how you think about structuring a sequence. You you don't view an email as a sort of standalone thing, or, or I guess you do, but you also think of it as a as part of a journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we look at it a bit further away than looking at the emails first. So first of all, when you've got a business, like what are your key goals? You could have one primary goal, which is signing up for a paid service. And then you could have secondary goals, things like book a consultation or get in touch. Um, then looking at the customer funnel. So what are all the ways that this customer might get to that goal? And then we look at email marketing and say, right, how can email marketing optimize the stages in this customer journey? So if somebody's just subscribed, they're in the top of funnel, depending on where they subscribe as well is a couple of examples. So somebody might subscribe for a 10% off code. They're further down the funnel because they're already thinking about purchasing. But then you might have somebody else who signs up through the blog page for more informational content. So we build the automations around how we can optimize the different stages of the customer journey and grab those conversions, which people may have not had through the website, but we can sort of give them that information to lead them to conversion through the emails. And the typical structure we follow is usually, we like to put an incentive with every sign up. So the first email is always gonna be sharing the incentive and it needs to go out immediately because if it doesn't, they're just gonna switch off. We then like to focus on engagement. So things like answering objections through useful content, using engagement through like informational content. So sharing like interesting blogs, interesting information about the business and then leading them into the more sales focused emails so the more conversion ones so by the time someone gets to that stage of the journey they're already hooked they've read a lot of amazing information from you they know all about your products they're really excited about the business hopefully and at that point we sort of taken them through like a mini customer journey through the email sequence and hopefully then as well we can then use additional sequences to make them loyal customers where they keep coming back again and again and if this sounds like super complicated to people who are listening, Abby's Abby and the team's email sequences and email campaigns get the highest ROI of any marketing activity I have ever seen. Their ROI is ridiculous. So that's why there's a lot of thought that goes into this. And that's why the results are, are kind of so outsized. I don't think we've entered some email marketing campaigns and awards, and I don't think we've ever lost one. <laughs> which is quite remarkable really so yeah good work abby this is really yeah yeah top top level stuff yeah it's, anyway. um, we do really love email at exposure and sure there's always these conversations like email is dead you know nobody's reading emails and it's just not true at all like, i check my emails so many times a day i feel like i've just built this habit and it's just a constant thing and i think from people i've spoken to a lot of people also experience that so if you're kind of sleeping on email because you think that people aren't going to engage with it you're wrong basically in the nicest way possible um since we just talked about 
segmentation, it would be great to talk about automation as well. Uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I think it connects quite nicely with segmentation really, because they're both sort of like, they both have that kind of automated feel that um, is quite difficult to do if you're doing everything manually. Whereas things like segmentation, automation, just make things run a lot smoother. And I know that automation in particular really saves you a lot of time it's a little bit of a time investment up front but it saves you a lot of time sort of throughout your campaign so abby i'd love to know some of the ways that you can like automate well the times that you should and can automate your emails and the sort of benefits that it has for businesses yeah absolutely so on our side we mainly focus on the email marketing so when people sign up like I said, with the different sort of like sign up entry points and creating welcome sequences to really sort of indoctrinate people into the brand. But we also use email automations for that re-engagement, like I said, for list cleaning to really identify those truly inactive contacts. We use it for things like abandoned car and browse abandonment, where if somebody adds a product to basket or they browse on the website and they don't end up converting, which works well for both lead gen and e-commerce. Um, so that works really well. We also use email marketing automations for things like new customer journeys, which are really great for building up reviews and testimonials and really sort of like continuing that journey after they've made the purchase. Um, we do look a little bit at CRM emails as well. And I really recommend focusing on the same thing when you're building out any more CRM focused emails is how best is this going to serve the customer journey? So if you've got a sort of more high end product, it's sometimes going to be better to make sure that somebody is actually manually emailing people rather than having it all automated. But if there are any sort of like regular updates, which are going to be the same for your audience, then it's always good to save time and automate those. So if you've got just a response to somebody sending in a contact form, say we'll be back in touch in a couple of days, absolutely fine. But if you've got someone getting in touch with you to discuss buying a property or something very expensive, then it's it's all, I think it's always going to be better to have somebody dedicated who can speak to them directly and have that that truly one-to-one -one contact with them. I think it's also super important to remember that your automations aren't just set and forget. The amount of like automated emails that I get that refer to like 2020 and I'm like, we're, we're past that, I hope. Um, so, you know, it's definitely important to go back and check them um, to make sure they're still actually serving you and they're not making you kind of look outdated, I would say. Tim, do you have any thoughts on automation at all? Yeah, automation was when I first really truly fell in love with email marketing. So in Exposure Ninja, we had a bit of a horrible time in 2014. And uh, we lost money for the first, uh, first and last month that we ever lost money in a month. And um, I had to fire a bunch of people. It was it was the worst day of my life. But one of the changes that I made during that period was building in what Abby's talking about with the CRM automation. So we rebuilt our sales process and built out automated email streams that happen during each stage of the sales process. So when someone gets in contact, we have an email stream that's triggered. When they ask for some help, then you know we move them into the next pipeline stage and that triggers a different automation sequence and ends the first one. When they ask for a proposal, they go to a different automation sequence and that ends the previous ones and all that type of stuff. And what that allowed us to do was massively scale our sales operation, which given that we do a lot of free website and marketing reviews, which you can request at explosioninja.com forward slash review, it'd be impossible for us to manually follow up with all these people and say, hey, just checking you've had your review, just you know, see if you've got any questions. So we automate all of that. And it means that the team can just focus on the stuff that they have to do. And then all of the rest of the follow-up 
is handled by the automations. And that's been so powerful because there's just no way that we would have picked up as many clients as we have because the team would just be spending all of their time doing that manual follow-up. But we also build in um, like strange automations, like when the sales process has sort of run its course and someone hasn't become a client, there'll be an automated email that goes out from Tim uh, which says just check in, see if you had any questions, or you know if you got any follow up or whatever. And that email alone, I don't know where it is in our sales process. I've forgotten, but that you know that email alone has brought in all sorts of crazy opportunities from people, you know, selling their business. We've had free stuff being sent. We've had people giving us advice. We've had offers of investment, like all sorts of random stuff. It's like when the fish people dredge their nets along the bottom of the seafront and you get all this stuff like it just picks up all sorts of random stuff that we never would have had but we also get comments like oh i didn't receive the proposal that your team sent or whatever and we can then follow up with them so it can help us diagnose any issues with the automated process and that alone has been worth the cost of all of the email marketing that we've done because it's just so useful and it wouldn't happen without it so i think automation in part of a longer more complex sales cycle is a game changer definitely Long. it's that classic thing of work smarter not harder um which sounds a little bit negative but didn't intend it that way um we touched on this a little bit earlier which i did touch on in a, in a negative way but it'd be nice to talk about using ai in a positive way and how it can kind of help with creating emails, because we're definitely not recommending that you AI generate all your emails and just send them out in a big, long sequence. Don't do that, please. But I know, Abby, you kind of have the experience of being able to work with AI across email as well as SEO and content marketing, which is super exciting. So you have this really like broad kind of AI integration knowledge. So it'd be great to know like how you and the team do use AI across email. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the absolute best thing for AI that AI is good for is brainstorming and content ideation and actually coming up with different topics. Um, it's also great for things like repurposing website content into emails, things for like shortening subject line, saying things in a different way that you already have. But I think if you're going to use it for your email copy, it's so, so important that you're going in and editing it. I think I've seen, we've been using AI now for nearly a year and I can tell immediately, like if somebody gives me a document that hasn't been edited and it's, it could be a really, really well-written email, but it's, it's quite obvious when it's like been used with like something like ChatGPT because ChatGPT does certain things like it uses like really long words. It, it gets close to the, to the, the tone, the tone of voice, but it's still a little bit off. It sometimes goes a bit too far with things, a bit too many emojis, a bit too many exclamation marks. So it is great and it is a way to sort of become more efficient, but it's so important that you're editing it because you know that what the right time, what the right tone of voice is and how you want it to look to your audience. So as you said, Jess, don't just like plug in a load of topics and then just like copy and paste the emails if you like that's done because yeah, it does sound a little bit robotic sometimes. So it's really important to add that human element back in and make sure it's aligned with the company tone of voice and how you want your emails to sound. Yeah, it's. I think it's so important. Oh, sorry, Tim, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you're building an email that's going to sit in a sequence and it's going to be sent out to thousands of people over potentially, you know, we've got emails that I wrote in 2014, which are still going out today. If you're going to write an email, which is going to go out for potentially 10 years to thousands and thousands of people, just take the 
freaking time to make it really good, right? The goal isn't just like, can I tick this off my to-do list in 10 minutes by just getting ChatGPT to do the work? The goal is, can I make something that's going to work super hard for our business and generate lots of goodwill and custom over a huge period of time? So I feel, I feel like you get so much leverage with your email content if you do it right, that using ChatGPT to produce something which is, you're never going to get that connection. It just, a lot of AI content just feels off and it's quite difficult to read because it just doesn't feel human. I, I just think it's it's time-saving in the wrong area. Yeah, whereas it's so good for like, if you're writing a sentence, like sometimes I have those days, I'm sure everyone does, where you're writing a sentence, you're just like, I don't know how to say this in a way that's more simple or that's more readable. And you can then ask the AI. And even if what it produces isn't quite there, you can still use that to kind of support you, basically, and and for for inspiration, which is always super helpful. We should hop on to another super important topic, which is connected to email, even though it isn't done directly within the email platform, which is the landing pages that you send people to. Now, I think that... Um, landing pages is a long conundrum for a lot of marketers in that you'll click on an email expecting to go somewhere and you end up on the homepage and you're not getting anything out of that. Abby, what would you suggest in terms of landing pages? Where would you send people from an email? So I think, and obviously we can't get in the minds of every single person who's reading that email's heads, but we have to kind of think of it like, where is the next best logical step for them. So they've read through this email, they've really enjoyed the email to the point that they're gonna click on the CTA. Where would be the best next step? If you've sort of given a snippet of a blog, directing them to the blog page, if you're talking about specific products, is it better to go to a specific product page or a category? Is it a service-based page? Just think about if you were sort of going on a journey, I think we all go on tangents and go down rabbit holes on the internet, sort of like, where's the next best place to take them on this, like, on this tangent and making sure that if it is the homepage, then it has to be for a reason. It has to be, you know, for, for a purpose, but wherever possible, use CTAs that are gonna keep that engagement going and not get them to switch off and bounce straight away, even though we don't technically use bounce anymore, but you know what I mean. And it doesn't just have to be your website, right? It could also be a YouTube video or a podcast or even just an article on someone else's site. The point is, like you said earlier, just to share stuff that they're actually gonna value so that your sort of your uh, it, th their impression of you increases ever so slightly with each email that they get, which conditions them to read the next one and read the next one and read the next one. Yeah, a great example of this is that we are doing a webinar tonight with SEMrush about SGE. Very exciting. And in our email that we've sent out, yeah, we could send them to the Exposure Ninja homepage or we could send them to a page on the EM website that we've made for the webinar. But realistically, it just makes more sense to send them to the SEMrefs page. Why make it more complicated than it needs to be? Sometimes it can feel a bit scary, like that you're sending traffic to another website. But in this situation, they're going to see Tim. They're going to get insights from Tim. Tim's probably going to plug the website review. Who knows? But, you know, it, it all kind of connects together nicely. Um, so don't, yeah, don't be afraid to send people to a different place if it serves them best and it's relevant to your email. I think that's really important. Do either of you have any final email thoughts before we wrap up for today? Um, just to touch on the design side, as I know this comes up quite a lot. So I think what's really important is like when you're using design within emails is tailoring how much design you use depending on your audience and depending on your content that 
you're sending. And I think something that we often get sort of pushed back from clients and things is around, okay, well, I've heard that using a heavily designed email doesn't work best. You have to have it as simple as possible. But if you're following all the other steps and you've got good deliverability, you've got a really engaged email list, then an email that's completely HTML designed with loads of image, with loads of images is just as likely to end up in the inbox and a completely text-based email where you've got sort of a less than 10% open rate because nobody's reading them is just as likely to end up in spam. So it really is about focusing all the other areas around content that's valuable, having good deliverability and the design side you know, at one point, I think Google used to use indicators of design as being more pro promotional, but I think it has developed since. And now it looks at multiple other areas like deliverability, are people actually reading this email? So, and I think the last point on that is just using A-B testing. So whenever you're doing emails and you're using design is testing different levels of images, different levels of copy, different colors of CTA and see what works best for your audience and then apply that to the rest of your emails. Couldn't agree more with that. Like, I get, I would say I get just as many emails that are just plain text as I do designed ones. And for me personally, the ones that are plain text, I'm like, ooh, gross, get out of my inbox. Don't want to see that. I want imagery and design and cool stuff. Whereas there's just as many people as me who love that. They love that strip back style. They just want to get the information that they want. So it's so important to understand your audience. And like Abby said, A, B test and see, oh, actually way more people clicked on the designed email than they did on the less designed or vice versa so it's definitely about experimentation and trying different things out tim do you have anything else to add uh no if you like the sound of everything that abby's saying then request a free website and marketing review from the team at explosioninja.com we'll take a look at what you're doing what your competitors are doing and we'll make some suggestions about your email strategy as well and if you'd like to work with abby and the amazing email marketing team then we will give you some information on how to do that Excellent. Thank you so much for coming today, Abby. And thank you to everyone who's watching live or listening later on. We will be back next week. Tim will not be here. So you've got me and Dale instead doing a live Q&A about all your digital marketing questions, which should be a lot of fun. Dale is our head of marketing at Exposure Ninja, and they have a bunch of really great insights. I think I have some pretty good insights too. But anyway, it should be a laugh. We might be a bit festive. And it should just be, it'll be a nice way to kind of wind down the year. So thanks again, both of you for coming and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.